0: Hi, my name's Jack. I made this podcast to share knowledge from amazing people in order to speed up the learning curve of financial literacy. During this podcast, I'll be interviewing successful people about money, business and life to help young Australians become more financially literate so that they can make better personal finance and business decisions. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Still running on the running like I've been here before. Still running on the frontin'. I can take I'm afraid.
0: Hi Mary, how are you going? I'm good, how are you? Good thanks. Good to see you. How's your day been?
1: It's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> when it's a Friday, it always feels like a good day.
0: <laughs> That's good. Do you have any plans for the weekend?
1: I certainly do. Tonight I'm, I'm off for dinner with my really good friends and tomorrow I'm actually going to a working bee and I'm taking uh, in the Yarra Valley, which is like the Yarra Valley right. Ranges wine region in Melbourne, and I'm yeah. taking four teenage boys out to do a working bee on an 11-acre property. I'm not sure if they're gonna be excited or disappointed after it. Is it farm work? It's kind of like clean up the property and land kind of work. And then I think afterwards to make amends, I'll take them for a pizza or some kind of takeaway. Yeah. And that's Saturday gone in the working bin, then Sunday is always sports and family day. So that's my weekend sorted.
0: Sounds good. Nice. Okay. Well, first question. Uh, what do you do?
1: What do I I love this question. You know, like when people ask you it, sometimes I'm like, what do I do for But in this context, I know you mean what do I do for work, paid work. So pretty much I spend the majority of my um, paid work time helping successful adults develop financial literacy and championing them into economic empowerment. And I guess in layman's terms giving them the knowledge that they need so they can make informed decisions around money stuff.
0: Cool. And what type of people are these people? Like um...
1: Successful business people. I also advocate for property ownership, especially for women, and I mentor in that space. So yep. that's what I do for paid work and in my non-paid hours. I'm an ambassador for the Women's Network Association of Australia and yep. the Ladies Finance Club as well. But my leading role, I would have to say is being a mum to my teenage son and my two year old border colleague who may make a guest appearance and fly past the back of me at any time. And
0: what impact do you want to leave on the world?
1: Yeah, this one's easy. So without question to champion every single woman to I meet into property ownership and I, um, and economic security, of course. And I live by the credo, this little saying that every woman has a little black dress in her wardrobe, which it's true, and every woman should own at least one piece of real estate in her own name.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, Really nice advice. And I guess so. your passion revolves around increasing financial literacy for females in general or for everyone as well?
1: Uh, Interesting. So, majority of my clients are females, and about 25, 26% are men. Yeah. And then some couples as well.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, So, how important do you think is understanding money?
1: Can I go heavy here?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go heavy. Are you sure? It's
1: Friday afternoon. Yeah, get
0: people out of bed.
1: I've got some chamomile tea. I'd say, if I can go heavy, I'd say for many, the answer to that question is life or death. And,. We're in week 20 of this year and Mm -hmm. 20 Australian women have had their lives taken by domestic violence. And we know that financial abuse is present in over 90% of all DV cases. And we also know that if women from common sense have access to money and financial means, they can leave. They can keep themselves safe and their children safe. I'm not dramatizing this at all. I think the crux of harm to women is a lack of understanding about money and a lack of access to money, and that inhibits their freedom of choice and in often many cases their ability to leave situations serving them. Yeah. That's how important it is, yeah?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Hmm. I don't think, like, I guess I'm a bit naive. I don't think of it like that, but maybe because I don't have access to that information all the time. I think of it in different ways, but that is probably some of the most impactful reasons why you would want to be able to understand it. Like, yeah, there are reasons maybe that I think a bit more similar to my life, but then, yeah, I'm just not always aware to the information. But, yeah, it's It's just so crazy. Yeah, those statistics are around. Like, it's so sad.
1: I know what you're saying. It's like even hard to comprehend or digest yeah. that we're in Australia in 2023 and it's the 20th week of the year and 20 Australian women, not in a foreign country, Australian women have been killed And common sense prevailing, when we have access to money, we can quickly change our circumstances. Whether we have ill health, we can get the best medical care. If we're in a domestic violence situation, we can get out and go and hire the best service department in a high security building, yeah?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I know it's a pretty hard one to wrap your head around. But anyway, that's my heavy Friday afternoon.
0: Yeah, so definitely it gives you choice and freedom and opportunity and, and it's something that you can use to change the situation if you need to. Totally. Um, so what would you say Looking, someone looking to dip their toe into the world of financial literacy, like where would they start?
1: Mm. Firstly, I'd say to them that in life you can only ever be overpowered in any area you're disempowered. So I would say take the first step and just start where you're at and that one step will lead to another step and that will lead to another step and that will lead to another step. And for all of us, that access point is going to look very different. For some of us, it looks like going to the bookshop on the weekend and looking in the money section and finding a book color cover that resonates with us and picking up and reading it. For others, it's going to be listening to a podcast. For some, it's going to be having the courage to reach out and maybe connect with a certified money coach or a licensed financial planner. The mm. access point going to be different for everyone based on where they're at. But I would say just start with that first one step and that little one step will lead to another one step and then another one step.
0: Cool. Cool. And what or who influenced you to start learning about money?
1: Mm, I'd say necessity. So both my parents, a little bit of background, were artists and we lived on love more than we lived on money (laughs) and paint fumes, (laughs) being (laughs) artists. I actually started working when I was 13. And when I was at school, like the only subjects that made sense to me were things like economics and politics and maths. And then when I left school to start my first job, mortgage interest rates, believe it or not, were in double digits. might freak you out, but it was true, like as high as 16%, 17 18%. Mm-hmm. And people were able to put money into bank accounts like term deposits for a shorter period as 30 days, and they were able to get paid 18% interest on their money.
0: Well, because term deposits sort of follow the same, so that you'd have... Yes,
1: that's right. Then in Victoria, there was the collapse of a major building society. So this was at my first job and a lot of people lost their money. And that really made a lasting impression on me and the importance of like really understanding what we do with our money. And I thought about all of those people that came to deposit their money on the Friday, their $100,000 savings or their $200,000 life savings or their business money so that they could get the 18% return. And then, you know, early the next week, the collapse was announced and those people had lost all that money. And it really made an imprint on me where I thought, I wonder if these people even knew there was a possibility of risk. So, and I probably would even go on to say, without trying to go off tangent, like I know in Australia, we have about 16,000 financial planners and that any one of us like today could go, but I've always thought this. Like without financial literacy, engaging a financial planner really requires you to kind of relinquish your self-responsibility and hand the power over to them and say, you're the expert, you're the guru, you tell me what I should do. And personally, I just don't subscribe to the notion that kind of thing is acceptable. And I'll go off tangent a little bit. If I could make any kind of legislative change, like if someone in parliament said today, Marion, you get to make up one rule that would impact financial services forever, that change would be clients must have a minimum financial aptitude before financial planners can even make recommendations to them.
0: Well, that's really good.
1: And I say that because how can you participate in a process if a financial planner says, I'm the expert and I'm the guru, and I think you should buy this product or these investments? How can you participate in that process if you have no financial aptitude? And then To round that off, I think also, you know, in learning about like what we do with money, like the EQ stuff, yeah, that also helps us to kind of learn about ourselves as well. So there's the direct, indirect, going off tangent answer.
0: (laughs) That's a really good piece of advice because I guess that would help with a lot of the regulatory things that happen in financial advice. It would sort of mitigate a lot of those things as well because they wouldn't have to give as much sort of due diligence if the person understood what they were sort of doing as well. I love and, Yeah. And the other thing is it's crazy, and I heard about this recently, it's like we have built a society where there is a, a few things like law and finance where, yeah, people need a chaperone to navigate themselves through it because it's so confusing. And if they were just taught some of the simpler things quickly, Um, And early in their life, they might never need to have that chaperone and they can sort of be self-sufficient and stuff like that. But yeah.
1: Totally. I've always been perplexed by the, the whole financial planning model of asking people to come and get guidance around what they should be doing with their money, but they have no ability to participate in the process. And that just seems a really dangerous thing to me.
0: I just think, like, once I knew about index funds, I just thought, like, it's the easiest thing in the world. It should just be an option in your bank account that you can just select. It's like, I don't know why everyone's like, oh, you've got to trade stocks, like, this price, this price. It's like, it should just be on ComBank and you just have a savings account and you can just transfer it in and leave it there for as hopefully as long as you can. And I don't know, it's made so difficult and it's like it's intentional almost to be so difficult. Mm. Not I hope that's not the case, but it, to me it just sounds so crazily
1: I dare not answer that one. I dare not touch that one. Okay. So
0: how has being like financially literate empowered you throughout your life, I guess?
1: Was Did you say has being financially literate empowered you or how?
0: Yeah, how has being financially literate empowered you?
1: Well, I'd say first of all, yes, being financially literate has definitely been a massive source of empowerment in my life. And specifically, I've been able to make money from money because I had enough knowledge and confidence to buy assets that go up in value, whether that was shares or property. And that decision to act um, has given me more choice, more options and more freedom in life.
0: Yeah. And I guess from your previous answers, we're going to, this question might be a bit irrelevant, but have you achieved more because you have a good understanding of financial literacy? Like, has it, have you ever had like, Um, moments in your life where you've just been so appreciative of having financial literacy and you've been able to do something Mm. that you never have thought because you knew about it?
1: Totally. Well, I think compared to somebody who doesn't have financial literacy, definitely yes. Yeah. I think that I've been able to live a life mostly that I've wanted to. And FinLid has helped me definitely as a woman have housing security, which we know is a major issue in Australia. Statistically, all women in Australia over 55 are at risk of homelessness. In fact, the fastest growing demographic of homelessness in our country is women over 55. So FinLID has afforded me housing security. For my entire life, it's helped me to have freedom of choice also to leave situations, whether they were jobs or whether they were relationships or even places that weren't for my highest good. Unlike many people, I didn't have to sit there and suffer in silence. I was able to get up and make a choice to remove myself from anything that wasn't for my highest benefit. When I think about that, I know too many men and women in relationships due to economic codependence, they are desperate not to be together. But economically, they can't split up because they need Mm. both incomes. And I think also, you know, we all know people who hate their job and have to literally place themselves in a state of pain day in, day out, just because they financially desperately need the money. And if we had more time, I could share so many instances in my life where things had taken a very unexpected left turn, like I couldn't have even imagined those things could happen in my lifetime. And because I had financial literacy and because I'd acted on that financial literacy, which I think is the key, financial literacy is fabulous. Watching videos on how to get a six-pack is fabulous, yeah. Mm. But until we action the information, we don't have the results. Yeah, But I think as a result of actioning the financial literacy that I had, it placed me in a position that I could really navigate some pretty difficult circumstances in life that I wouldn't otherwise have been able to navigate.
0: Yeah. And do you think like um, financial literacy and like, I guess, business literacy or like do you reckon there's, they're the same or do you think there's a difference or do you think financial literacy goes like hand in hand with understanding in business as well? Like, Do you think it helps?
1: I think it's part of the fundamentals to run a business successfully. We know the data and the stats around small business and how many fail in the first two years. I meet so many business owners. In fact, many of them become my clients who are not financially savvy and don't have FinLit. And given a business is a vehicle to make money, when we don't understand finance, that becomes difficult. I think they're separate, but they're intertwined, definitely.
0: Yeah. Which one came first for you? Like, you were in business for a long time before you became a financial coach.
1: No, so... This is embarrassing, but when I was, um, in high school, I used to get $13.80 pocket money a fortnight. So I remember, and I remember thinking this sucks because 1380 is still 1380. Even if I save it, it's still 1380. So I was like, how can I turn it into more? And I used to buy something and then sell it to other kids and make money. I'm not going to say the something that I bought. (laughs) (laughs) My son might be listening. So I kind of became enterprising or business orientated very young.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why are you passionate about helping people like better with money? I guess it's obviously driven around female empowerment. And what can you say about that? I guess you've already touched on it.
1: I think, Jack, for two reasons. Firstly, I actually genuinely believe from the time that I've been on planet Earth that financial literacy is a preventative tool to financial abuse and yeah. poverty and homelessness. As I said earlier, you can only be overpowered in your life where you're disempowered first, yeah? And in some small way, by helping like one woman at a time with the work that I do, it makes me feel like I'm part of some kind of solution. Yeah, And I think secondly, the other reason is because we talk about money as something over there. That's what we've taught, Yeah. But actually, if we think about it, our ability to make money and our ability to manage money and our ability to multiply money is really just a reflection of who we're choosing to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What we're choosing to believe about ourselves and others in the world and how we show up determines how much access we have to money. So I guess I love the process of transformation that my work brings to people's lives. And that is for them to have different outcomes with money that ultimately have to transform who they're being, how they're acting, what they're thinking, and how they're showing up. And it's Mm -hmm. so interesting because when I work with people with money, we get incredible results, like mind-blowing results. But all of the work that we do is not about money over there. It's about them going into deep self-inquiry. It's about them examining their beliefs and seeing will this belief make me rich or poor? And it's about them being willing to transform the parts of themselves that are serving that are not serving them in acquiring wealth or making money. And and I think that's the second reason why. Because I think to in order to have access to money and to be able to manage money and to be able to make money, we have to become the best versions of Mm ourselves. And I think the transformation of human beings and watching the transformation of human beings is both a beautiful and really exciting thing to be part of.
0: Yeah, it's definitely like I haven't had the same level as you, but whenever someone's asked me a question, they've implemented it or vice versa, someone's taught me something. It's definitely like a valuable experience. and makes you happy because you've removed some like problem or issue from their life that they were experiencing and now you get to help them with it. Totally. And I guess you're just doing that on a bigger scale sometimes as well like because it's sometimes, yeah. And that goes into my next question. So what do you actually offer in your business and how does it sort of help people and the transformation?
1: Yeah. So I offer financial literacy in a dignified manner. Yeah. And I say that because most of my clients are very successful people. They're very skilled at what they do. They're not uneducated people. And the types of people that are my clients range from school principals, believe it or not, hairdressers, lawyers, medical experts, clinic owners, all different kinds of people. So first and foremost, I offer financial literacy in a dignified manner. Yeah. The other service that I have is property mentorship and education. And I mentioned earlier, I'm so deeply passionate about women having access to property ownership in this lifetime. And then another body of work that I do that is in a lot of demand is couples money programs. And I work with couples either pre-marriage or during the marriage or post separation, unfortunately, to help two different human beings navigate money on the same page. Yeah. So they're predominantly the three services that my business offer. And when I say financial literacy, that's wrapped with coaching, because again, going back to what I said earlier, there's information and then there's acting on that information. And for a lot of people, that's the hard part. Like we all know what we should do to get a six pack. But if you and I stand up now and pull up our shirts, we're probably not going to be showing a six pack because we haven't implemented all of the knowledge that we've gathered about it. So the coaching work is embodied in the financial literacy, in the property mentorship, and then in the couples money programs.
0: Cool. And so you actually coach people through divorces as well. And like, so it's a is that right?
1: I actually coach people with the post separation work. It usually is the case that someone has been referred to me by somebody else because they're going through a separation of divorce. This podcast is brought
0: to you by the Creative Business Club. And yeah, I know what you're thinking, it is about business name. The Creative Business Club takes the digital pressures away from businesses. They can build your website for you, stack your website with video and written content, and then give you ideas on how to start generating leads. They can even integrate your business into a CRM and automate a lot of processes to save your business time and resources. The Creative Business Club has a pay it forward attitude. That means they talk to people and give away helpful information in order to watch people grow and achieve their goals faster. If you need to talk about building or growing a business, find them on Google or using the links below. Thanks for listening to the episode. Hit subscribe so you get notified when next week's episode is available.